Welcome to The Swarm. This is the last episode of our first season, last episode of 2018. I am tearing up, James. Seamus, what are we going to do? It's been a long and rewarding year. You know, when we started this um, seven months ago, we didn't really know how it was going to go. And looking back, even though we were so fearful and like taking that first jump, it's like, what are, what are people going to think of us? Totally worth it. Yes, it was very scary to start. We jumped in feet first and just went with it, and it was great. I mean, everything from like not knowing which microphone to buy to the boom arms to you know how to edit software. How do you convince someone to sit with you for an hour and a half? Yeah, and no kidding. Do an interview. We had to make this beautiful pamphlet, and it's like, hey, we're the swarm, and you should come sit down with us. People yep. are like, um, okay, <laughs> you know. I think the best way to end this season is with. The- the way it started, and that's with the four founding partners of Cicada. Everything from how we started to the struggles that we're facing currently to the achievements that we've had to lessons learned and everything in between. Um, You'll learn a lot more about uh, Apollo Perkins and Matt Dakotis, who are the other co-founders in the firm, and we hope you enjoy it. Uh, It's been honestly kind of a labor of love, just like this, this podcast has been, has our firm been as well. Um, We're embarking on almost being a year uh, together as a unit. Um, We have added one employee since we've started, um, Adrian Catalano, James's wife. Love her. And uh, we haven't looked back. Um, We're getting more and more um, diverse projects, not just architectural work, um, as you all know, but we're kind of cruising along both in the 3D printing world, in the drone aerial videography and photography world, and the VR world. We've been really, really fortunate. Yes, we've been very lucky, very fortunate, and we, Seamus and I would like to thank our friends and family and our fans of the podcast, friends and family and fans of Cicada. It's been a great year, and this is just the beginning. 2019, we're coming out with season two. Uh, Seamus and I are going to try and polish it up, do a little more interesting things. We have already a few people lined up one of them being Kara McGuire, Seamus's wife. Watch out, Minmu Studio. Kara runs a uh, Kara runs Minmu Studio, which is a graphic design firm here in in New Orleans, and uh, she's been dying to get on the show. Of course, I would I think she would be a great start to the season two episode, so you can look forward to that. Yeah, so here we are, final episode. Everyone, we want to we want to wish all of our Swarm fans a happy holidays and a happy New Year. And everybody, here is the final episode. Hi, everyone. I'm James. And I am Seamus. And you are listening to The The Swarm, Swarm, a podcast about architecture and design. We're two architects at the firm Cicada here in New Orleans. The Swarm is an outlet that brings the world of architecture to the people. Our goal is to educate our listeners about design and construction by interviewing locals who are making an impact on their community. So, guys, what do you all think of the show? (laughs) (laughs) Like... We do this in the office, and sometimes we have to tell y'all, hey, we're recording. Can y'all leave? And more, what, what do y'all think of the swarm? I'm excited to be on the other side of the microphone. Good. Yeah, more importantly, yeah. how does it feel to be behind the microphone? Is it a little intimidating? Yeah, absolutely for me. <laughs> <laughs> what do y'all really think of the swarm? Like, y'all have been hearing all these people and all these different interviews. Like, I want an honest, raw opinion. 
if I guess to start off, I think that I was hesitant for the idea of the podcast only because I'm hesitant behind a microphone. So the second that these guys said that they wanted to take it on for themselves, I was all for the idea because I understand. I've been listening to podcasts for a long time. I understand the value of the podcast, and I understand that like how the reach that it can have. And uh, also on top of that, New Orleans needs the um, design conversation lifted. And I think the Swarm has been able to do that over the first year that it's been working. Um, Absolutely love it. Uh, I love it. Um, Who loves it? I think (laughs) that's it. That's all I have to say. No. One thing that I recognize um, through the intent of the Swarm, at least for me, is like I think it's a brilliant idea. We need to listen to the occupants of our buildings, um, whether it's it's creatives that help in the in the production of great design, whether it's uh, the chefs that produce the great food, whether it's the lawyers that help us and protect us in law. Either way, everyone has their own use in their space, and architects tend to like imply their own thoughts and values onto the space, and. Uh, essentially you guys interviewed like a good kind of spectrum of people and it's a it's it's a great way for for those around in the design community to listen to it so i think for that it's a s- successful so Thank you, Paul. but i think i think in the end the podcast in itself is kind of like a microcosm of what like the culture of our firm in general where it's like it's trying to push ourselves out of our comfort zones and like push us to keep on thinking about things differently whether it's the the conversation about architecture or the way it's practiced from day to day um paulo no one knows anything about you if we could give you a quick two minutes give everybody who's listening who you are where you're from make it one minute yeah. One, oh, shit. <laughs> one minute for Paula. Oh, one minute. Oh, all right. Good, good. Uh, no, I'm New Orleans native. Grew up um, in mix between the French Quarter and the North Shore as a, as a culturally diverse spectrum that may be. That is as yeah. diverse as you can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my, my, my parents, they lived, one lived in New Orleans and the other one lived on the North Shore. Went back and forth, commuted across the twin span. But... Um, Keeping this under a minute, <laughs> I'm sure you're gonna have to cut some of it out. <laughs> <laughs> we don't edit anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. No, no. Sure. Uh, grew up in, in mostly with the mind of art, um, and and uh, used to draw a lot. Like I'd dig up clay from the bayou, being on the North Shore, and, and my dad's like, "What the hell are you doing, making a mess?" But and then my mom's like, "It's beauty, you know, let him go." So. Um, but from there, you know, I thought I was going to become a fine artist in the French Quarter. And my dad's like, that's a horrible business model. So, I had no idea about yeah, that. This yeah, is great. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, and then I sold pumpkins for a little bit in the French Quarter, <laughs> uh, said going to college. Wait, <laughs> what? No joke. Uh, my mom uh, had a flower shop in, in, the, in the quarter. And... Um, kind of my weekend routine would be going to the to the French market and buying these like, you know, 25 cent miniature pumpkins and painting them nice. and then having like a ridiculous like 600% markup and selling them outside of my mom's flower shop, probably like spending more in supplies to decorate pumpkins than the than the uh, the, the final result, but selling the pumpkins for like four or five bucks. Nice. So yeah, yeah. So my first uh, endeavor in entrepreneurship. Love it, dude. Yeah. Your mom knew Always how to get you hustling. going. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then just straight into architecture school. After that was it. That was it. That in was a story. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So Matt, 
Matt's the uh, he's not a he's not a Louisiana native. He's the one who comes from the other world. Yeah, I'm a nomad. So I grew up in Florida in Tampa. Um, have two brothers there, and then we moved up to New York and extended the family and uh, kind of spent high school in New York, upstate. Uh, Equally diverse as being from. The French Quarter to and the, the North, North Shore. Shore. Totally like agree. Florida to New York. Yeah. It's yeah. very similar. Yeah, 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 it, it was yeah. a it was an interesting change of scenery. That's for sure. Um, so from New York, I spent four years there before I went to college in Boston, and then spent an extended period in Boston, maybe going to college for a little longer than I should have. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was there for seven years, and uh, after that, moved down to New York City and got some work experience in the architecture field. Uh, unfortunately, the the recession kind of beat me up a little bit during uh, 2010, and I decided to change scenery, move down to New Orleans to go to Tulane for graduate school, and uh, from there on, it's kind of it's all led towards Cicada. You, the man's never looked back. Yeah. You, you go to one crawfish boil, and then you just establish your oh, life my, here. Right? Uh, man, the food here is incredible. I can't leave now. That's James's claim to fame. If you're from or once you're in New Orleans, it's like oh, you just have to do one crawfish boil, and now you're native. Now you're. He's local. not wrong. Well, yeah. I think people always ask like, oh, how long do you have to be somewhere until you consider yourself a local? Well, I think if you host your uh, your first crawfish boil. You're from New Orleans. That's pretty like, solid. Oh, where are you from? I'm from New Orleans. And yeah. I mean, the social aspect of the crawfish boil in Louisiana, in particular, is is pretty incredible. Like the fact that you can't have your phone on you because you can't touch it anyway. Your hands are covered in crap, so you want to be <laughs> like you actually have to talk to people. You can't like hide in the digital world, and it really like forces you to engage with your neighbor and your friends. And it's a it, it's a pretty incredible community building exercise. It's a good point. <laughs> well, here's a question I think a lot of people ask. Um, even the the dean of LSU coming in today or, you know, someone interviewing us or our clients. How how did we come together? I know that answer, but I'm going to ask the two people who aren't on the podcast very often, Matt and Paulo, how, what brought us together and what, what made it work? I think... To me, it's about complementary skill sets. So you can uh, you can start a business with people that kind of all have this, like we all have the same vision, but we're not good at the same things. And I think that that's what makes us good collectively. And um, we, we're all kind of have different skills that come together and form Cicada. And that, that pushes us in equally in different directions that helps the firm grow as a company. Seeing that we all have these different strengths, um, you know, James 3D printing and, and design and modeling, uh, Matt with parametric modeling and uh, just about anything else with a computer. And Matt can uh, do anything. Yeah, I don't know. He even I built limp. the desks we work on. It's not just digital. Yeah, you know, true that. He's a, he's a new age renaissance man. Seamus with the business business development aspect, and I'm learning a lot. I don't know what else I'm doing here, but but in <laughs> it's, the end, it's been a great experience. It's it's all with the sight on kind of building a better place that we live in. Like whether it's it's here or in our projects that are in the northeast or right. in the like southeast, it's all about building a better community and place to to live and thrive in. And like that's our shared vision, and that's what we're all aiming for. Whether it's through doing it in um, by increasing productivity through technology or through like kind of experimenting with different ways of practicing architecture it's all with that single vision and I think we all share that vision which is what makes us good at what we're doing right now well and I think a lot of it has to do with trust and it's like mm -hmm. how do you 
how do you entrust your monetary gain in other people? And that's like a big risk. Like, hey, I'm going to quit my job <clears throat> and start something new, but I'm not doing it by myself because I can trust myself. I know how to take care of myself. And every time I mess up, I know it's my own fault. But then when you entrust that responsibility into someone else, it's a whole other, it's kind of like getting married. It's, and it's exactly like getting married. So I was going to bring that up. I think, I think that that's been the coolest thing to see over like the, this year is that look, being honest with everyone, starting in January, we had a hard time trying to work through some of these issues. Like we didn't know how to work with each other and it took a while for us to get into it. But come December now, I feel like completely confident telling any one of these guys, look, I need this done. Help me out. Or they, they can come to me and say, help me out. And it's like about being able to delegate, but also like trusting the people that you're working with to be able to complete the tasks that the come into the firm. Well, and that's been an incredible experience and like growth that I've seen within all of us being able to like trust each other. And it is an ongoing um, learned relationship, right? So a lot of times I can get very, um, what do you call it? I can get a lot of things, I guess, but I can get mustache. I can get mustachey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mustachey your no, question. I, I, I can get very uh, outspoken and sometimes clash uh, with with peers, and it's learning to be able to communicate um, both in and out of the office. Um, talk about your problems. Talk about wh- how you can do better as a person to run a business, and no one teaches you that in architecture school. Um, so I mean, who? So who wants to take a stab at? kind of saying how we got off of our feet and um, how we started making money in the first couple of months or not making money. So to me, it's about creating good relationships with your peers and the people that you work for over time and then being able to leverage those and that trust that you've gained into work as you begin to start your own business. And that's really the most important thing. The, the first work that we got as we started our company was the work from people that we had kind of uh, developed relationships over 10 years, in Paulo's case, and so, or in my case, right. since I moved to New Orleans. That's and, a great point. And they see the quality of not only the work, and you find that obsessive interest in the topic that you can't not produce something that isn't really cool or really good. So you end up with people, you end up interacting with people and they see something you do. I'm really speaking about Matt here when I say this because the shit he does is really cool. You inter- you intersect these people through your lives and you're like, wow, the memory I have of that person is that they do really good work and they're really smart and they do cool stuff and not only are they doing, they're not just doing that to make money, they're doing it because they really, really like it. They're very interested in it and it just makes it just a much more polished and well-rounded experience that you can trust your money into someone who not only knows what they're doing, but they like it too. And I think like from the, the clients and people that I've collaborated with over the years and that we've collaborated with at Cicada, the most important thing is trust and honesty, like them trusting us to like deliver a quality product and like us being honest when we screw up sometimes or if somebody else screws up sometimes, but they know that they can come to us and get an honest answer. And that's a really important thing that isn't always out there today. I think another complimentary or another uh, thing that was going for us in our favor when we when we initially started is back to what Matt was touching on earlier was the complementary skill sets that we have. So we were all able to juggle and polish uh, a specific project at hand. But at the same time, we were also able to bring in very diverse projects early on due to our diversity of networks. So for those of you who do not know, 
we're all very, we, we're kind of scattered both where we grew up um, and our age. And so with that being said, we all have very different professional networks, friend networks, friend groups, um, and skill sets. And so with all of that combined, quite literally, um, it's been able to really bring unique projects to the table amongst all of us. And I think that alone, even to this day, it's an advantageous, serendipitous kind of thing. You know? Yeah, and I think none of us are trying to create a traditional architecture firm. So That's that right. like that difference in kind of friends or like mm-hmm. networks has allowed us to go out and like reach our tentacles out into different disciplines. Wings, that wings. We have wings. wings. Oh, wings. I'm sorry, yes. our wings into <laughs> disciplines. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> different 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 disciplines that have allowed us to kind of grow as a company in a different way than maybe a traditional architecture That's firm great point. may have. Okay, so something I wanted to ask earlier, but I didn't get a chance to, was like each of us, we all know each other, and we also kind of knew each other at the start of this. We definitely know each other a lot more now. What does it take to trust someone to start a business with them? Like, what I'm curious what everyone thought of each other to make this happen. Well, I looked at James, I knew he had good hair, so that was. (laughs) (laughs) I get it from my mama. Thank you, Mom and Mama Laurie. Everyone give big a shout out to Mama Laurie Catalano. Much love. To me, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Mama. Uh, to me, it was time Mama and experience. Cat. I mean, like, they, look, the only way you get that trust is by working through a bunch of bullshit together. And, like, you have to go through that hard time in order to, like, see that you're doing it with somebody else and understanding, like, oh, I can lean on this person. And the only way to do that is to work through it over time. And so initially, like, the trust was there. I wouldn't have started up a company with the three of you guys if if it wasn't. But, like, the experience and, like, ability to kind of lean on somebody comes over time, in my mind. I completely agree. I'm I'm totally with Matt. I mean, it's a – as much of skills matter, it's it's a lot about who's going to have your back at the end of the day and who who you can rely on. I mean, it's all about reliability. You got to know when someone – you know, when shit hits the fan that – you have a team behind you that can help facilitate a project or a deadline or even just like going to pick up something for you at a specific location or, you know what I mean? It's Taking like the it's, trash out. Yeah, it's any small thing. Those things matter. So. Yeah, and when you have that trust, um, essentially, you know there that any one of the, the three partners and and uh, Adrian now, uh, you know, is a, just an extension of of uh, the, the skill set that you have and, and your your own timeline. So, it's 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 great. It, things function faster, more efficient, and 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 essentially more productive, more value. I agree with all that, and I, yeah. I was just going to add that I think what works between us is just raw, uncensored, brutal honesty, mm-hmm. which is sometimes really hilarious and also sometimes very uncomfortable um, and can be very awkward, but it's kind of like just like confronting those problems when you have them and dealing with them and you end up, you know, creating something better in the end. And we do that very well where it's just like, hey, I think that's really good. We should keep doing that. Or, hey, I think that's terrible. We should stop doing that and we should do yeah, something else. Self-criticism yeah. helps a lot and. uh it keeps our, our skin a little thick here, and but that's what we want, you know? Yeah, it's necessary to growing yeah. as a person, as a company. I mean, like, we're, we're only going to be able to keep on pushing the boundaries as, if, for as long as we can, as long as we're willing to accept people criticizing us and, like, take the good and, and use that to move forward and then take the bad and say, no, I'm not going to listen to you. 
And that, uh, that's the biggest thing. And as a, as a group of four people, I think we do a really good job kind of group voting on what's yeah. good and what's not. So like there's it's been plenty of do. times where I'm yeah. saying I'm throwing something out there and I'm like, I, I look at these three guys and they just shake their head at me and they're like, you're being ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, that's fine. And it goes vice versa with everybody else too. And I think we do, we've, we've grown into a very good way of working with each other where we're able to kind of accept criticism and then grow from it. And I think that that's a valuable lesson that we've learned over the past year. I'd like to talk a little bit about our business model because it is not a traditional architectural firm's model. You know, we touch a little bit on um, VR animation, rendering work, drone work, videography, aerial photography, 3D printing, parametric design, and then also architecture. And to a lot of people, that sounds like a lot of things. And it's like, how do you, what is, what does that even mean? If somebody could answer, you know, why did we go to that approach? How is it working? And, and who's doing all these things? I think right off the bat, my first thought was that um, what people don't realize, well, people, what, what I didn't realize is that architecture school teaches you a lot of different a lot of variety of skills. They teach you, number one, first and foremost, to be very adaptive and to to take things in stride and to learn. They teach you kind of like how to go to a library. You know, they don't teach you how to read, but they teach you how to scan the index and figure it out. So they, they create um, these students who are very good problem solvers. I feel like that helps a lot of people branch out and a lot of the people, our peers, have ended up going into different professions because what they allow you to do is try new things, experiment, see if you like it. So you end up learning all these different computer programs or a way to build things or a way to design things and how to interact with people. And we went to school and learned all of that and came out with this wealth of knowledge. And then I'm speaking for myself here, but then you go into, a, sometimes you go into a firm and you feel like you're kind of getting pigeonholed into something that you you're good at and you know what you're doing, but you know all of these other things and you want to do all those other things. And I think that's what this firm wants to be is you want to express your creativity and your knowledge in some other way. Right. I mean, you could, you could fall in a wormhole of any one of the facets. Like, and, and I think that's another thing that I see in all you guys is, is uh, when you're designing anything from a uh, graphic intro to a video to, or a new parametric model on a 3D print, it's uh, the passion is, is you give it your all. You know, it's usually we have to self-check and say, hey, we got a deadline. But um, we want to make sure that we deliver the best product, whatever it is, from the smallest screw to the you know, ultimate building. Matt, so everyone keeps talking about parametric modeling. Like, it sounds really cool, but like, what does that even mean? Is it just a hype word or is it, I know what it is, but please explain to our audience. It's pretty much a hype word, but I mean, in general, it's a... It's a way of designing that allows you to iterate through options quickly. And the way that it works is basically by using computer code to kind of change geometry. If you were designing a shoe, you could say, okay, it's a size 5 or it's a size 10, but you would have to draw each iteration by hand manually to do that. What parametric design does is you just have to type in the size of the shoe and you, on the back end show you you type in the code and you make it all neat and tidy so that when you type in the number five six or seven the shoe changes size automatically i think that's a that's a fair description the the interesting part about it is that you're basically like architects 
nowadays are almost being asked to be computer programmers and environmental like uh, uh, designers and landscape architects. They're, they're kind of trying to be put under a, a huge umbrella that is difficult to fall within at times. And so I think parametric modeling has to do with computer coding and being able to like create forms and buildings efficiently. Um, sometimes it can be, become more of a just aesthetic kind of what kitschy. It, and it can allow you to create things that can only be created very organically, very Correct. very much like through the growth. Like an example would be like a the cell structure of a leaf where mm -hmm. that in itself isn't technically complicated, but to draw that, it is very difficult because of the, the randomness of Correct. it. So you get this order out of chaos and you're able to use computer code to to kind of quantify that and bring it all into something that's a that we could either 2D print or 3D print. That's exactly right. What I want to talk a little bit about our brand. Um, you know, so we all have this this idea of coming together, starting a firm. We come up with a name. Where did the name come from? That's a great question, James. Uh, we're all just kind of in a room thinking, hey, well, how do we how do we differentiate ourselves on the skill sets and complementary assets that we have? And so, you know, you start asking yourselves, who are you? And it's a very difficult question. Who am I? And um, <laughs> and and that's, I guess, what I was getting at with the root of my question is, how do you how do you start the brand? You know, you have four very strong-willed individuals who have um, very different design ideas and um, interpretations of what your brand should be. And then you put everybody in a room and you say, hey, let's come up with a name. And that's a really difficult task, much less coming up with a logo and or brand. Seamus, that's a great question. I think you should answer it. <laughs> <laughs> my, from my perspective is that it wasn't easy. No, it's not. And I think that's why we all realized we were going to work really well together is because when there wasn't a good solution or an easy solution to a problem, we all said, fine, we will sit down and figure it out. And we will go over four months of trying to, you know, work through a problem and be willing to do that in order to get something that was really good at the end. Right. Also, you, you can't take yourself so serious. You yeah, know, that's, that's a great point. In a, in, a, in a culture that we're in, um, I mean, we, we, we take our work serious, but we don't take ourselves serious, and we just named ourselves a bug, you know? Seriously. It's easy. We're a bug. Paulo, I think you do a good job about this, and the bug that we did choose was a bug that's pretty native to both of our, our climates generally is the cicada. It's something that... Is um, it's, local. It's, got, it's it's a local bug. It's got four wings. It's very four loud. Um, it's a little bug that makes a lot of noise. And and it's it's big. It's big thing is this metamorphosis, right? It's like this idea of like change and forward thinking and and moving um, moving in a, a new direction. And that's really how we all felt about starting our our firm. Um, it's how do we rethink our, the architectural practice? How do we implement things like parametric design and 3D printing and rendering and animation and VR. And, and so all of doing all of that without, we were kind of hesitant on this idea of combining our names because we felt it was so pretentious right. that to Paulo's point, it's a more relaxed outlook, mm. which is what I feel like we all share is this relaxed and carefree, not carefree, but relaxed outlook on life that we wanted the company to just be what it is. The company is the company and it is not, 
our name on a billboard. Correct. And and the company, it has the ability to become what it wants to be. Like, Cicada has no limits. You know, it, it doesn't have to be architecture in five years. It could be a development company. It could be a graphic design company. I don't know that it will, but it could be, you know, like... It, we could be making yo-yos, it, you know? That we're, whatever's recession-proof. No. It's also, it's <laughs> about patience, right? Like, I don't know about down here, but in the Northeast, a cicada comes out every 17 years. So it's about, like, the patience to kind of produce the final product that we're willing to put in the time and effort for in order to produce the final finished product. Right. Um, earlier today, on our Instagram profile, on The Swarm and on Studio Cicada... We put on our story, hey, what would you like to hear from us? And so we got some questions. And so I'm going to go around. Paula, you're going to be first, James second, and Matt third. Um, you're going to go ahead and answer some of these questions from our listeners. Paulo, um, the first question is from I Know I'm Tall. He asks, what is your favorite piece of architecture that you've personally visited? Personally visited? Um, I think... Uh, the piece of architecture, let's just say New Orleans has a variety of architecture, but the the piece of architecture that's most inspiring to me, I guess that brings me back to a story when I was a kid, was the aquarium. Um, I saw the aquarium as kind of a, a modern um, a form coming out of this historic, uh, you know, uh, landscape of architecture in, in the quarter. And uh, I didn't even think architecture could look anything outside of Spanish Roman architecture. So that in itself, that even that glass cylinder is a simple form in the geometry that we make today. And if anyone's not familiar with the New Orleans uh, Aquarium, the Audubon Institute, it is actually it's gorgeous, and it's I think it's one of the best aquariums in the country. We were just talking about this earlier. As is the zoo, which is also run by the Audubon Institute. So I highly recommend looking that up. Uh, while Paulo's talking about this, because it's really cool. Right. Uh, I mean, and I think I've, now that I have a two-year-old daughter, uh, we, we visit it all the time. And I, it's like I always tell my wife that it's an excuse to bring my daughter to the aquarium. But I, I think deep down inside, I love it that much more. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in, in essence, like that was uh, I got a 90s, uh, circa 1990s uh, piece of modern architecture that, that uh, made me think about architecture in a different way. So I guess that's simply the best. All right, there you have her from Paulo to I know I'm tall. There you are. Uh, Next question we have from um, Adrian Catalano, actually. Oh, Adrian. She decided to take take part in this. I think I've heard of her. Um, And James, this one's for you. What is Cicada currently working on? Well, working on a lot of things. And first off, big shout out to Adrian, who is my wife and is the reason I'm probably here right now because she supports me in everything I do. All of us really polished and in check. So thank you, Adrian. Yeah, so we're working on quite a variety of things. We're doing anything from <laughs> a very small industrial design from a lampshade to, you know, uh, hospitality work. So we're doing quite a few projects in the city, which I can't wait to announce. And you'll see us on our Instagram uh, we're also doing some residential work, which will be nice and polished. Um, we're doing we're, the office has been very busy. Like we've been all over the place the past couple of days, um, past couple of months. James, you're leaving out your all of your drone work that you've been doing. A lot of drone work. We're doing a lot of work for He's local around. Uh, engineers and architects, documenting some of their projects that are coming up. Um, they ask us to take photos and create videos of that. Um, we're also doing work in New York and in Tampa right now. Matt is spearheading um, a build-out for a very large marketing company. And not only is he doing the architecture work, but he's also designing some very intimate 
uh, details, which is like a, a wallpaper detail that's going to span multiple offices. And he's also doing some work with Luna Botanicals, our friends. Um, and they're going to create this very cool graphic living wall. And Matt's doing that all through the parametric design. Parametric design buzzword. Um, we're doing a lot of cool work. And a lot of it, we're just taking it as it comes. And we're really excited about, you know, the, the next steps. I'm excited about the next year coming up. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you hear a lot that, you know, end of December, early January, it's like, mm, but right now we're quite literally slammed. Um, and it's a good thing. Yeah, you literally. can tell because we're not on Instagram every 20 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Tension. Um, next question, Matt, you're up. Um, this is from a friend of mine. Uh, when do you know you're ready to break off and start your own architectural firm? Oh, that's a good question. It's um, a tough one. This is also coming from an architect, by the way. Gotcha. Uh, Mystery. It's, it's never going to be an easy answer. And at one point, you're always going to have to just jump into the shallow and see what happens. But you got to be calculated. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, uh, I think um, nobody's ever really going to be ready for that. You're, you're going to have to learn from experience. And the, the thing that will build confidence is your, your experience in the past and being confident in yourself moving forward. And that's the, that's the best advice I can give you is if you decide to make the decision, be confident in that decision and move forward with all that confidence because that's oh, the well, hardest part. Didn't really no, it's great. No, and I, I totally agree. And I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people hesitate to, to do what, really anything because they're waiting, waiting for the perfect lineup or like this golden egg that it's going to be the perfect transition from A to B in whatever that is, starting a new business or making change when really that never happens. And even if you did get a layup for a golden egg, which we didn't, it, it's not easy. Like no matter what, change is difficult and it's, it's never a perfect time to do it. Yeah. We ask this question to a lot of our guests and I will ask them now to all three of you, Seamus, Paulo, and Matt. Matt, unlimited budget in New Orleans, what would you do? My dream project has always been the ferry terminal at Jackson and Chapatula's and turning that into like a five-star like bar restaurant like that has views of the city and uh, like it's one of the few private places that you can actually get like onto the river at and it could be an incredible property. Unfortunately, nobody's ever been able to do anything with it, but that would be my dream project in New Orleans. Maybe one day. That's not with, without reach. That's... Seamus. Ooh, can we skip me? We can skip you. Okay. Paulo. I'm going to bandwagon the river integration. I mean, it's not that it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great idea. I mean, the city is built around the river, um, always has been. Uh, it's been a canal uh, between the lake and the river. But the riverfront itself, um, the port uh, has, has been the, the prominent uh, financial gear for New Orleans beyond seafood and tourism and uh, so a lot of a lot of the um, the old port stations have or the wharfs I should say have have kind of gone derelict um, but yet there's still like a, a stronghold on that um, but with unlimited cash you can do just about anything you want right so um, whether it's it's kind of um, expanding upon other uh, revenues like the the tourism industry, providing residences on the water, 
um, trying to find better connections to the the West Bank and and um, promoting that that uh, shoreline as well. Um, all in all, I think architecture on the river is is something that kind of we we step over, step around. I know we've 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 tried to achieve that throughout the years, but. You know, that unlimited budget really helps. Uh, embrace the water. Well, Seamus, now I'm going to ask you the question that because you get the opportunity to ask our guests. What's up? What would you do? Um, I would do two things. One would be paving our roads because they're awful. True. Um, two would be, though, um, providing more affordable housing um, because I think unlimited budget kind of lends itself to to that. I think affordable housing is something in most cities that they have they struggle with and it's hard because as developers it's where it's trying to find the bottom line of like how do you make a dollar so if i have a lot of money if i'm bill and melinda gates foundation i'd be popping up you know affordable housing complexes uh tastefully around the city where um where we could bring down a lot of the costs of these neighborhoods um because they're becoming extremely unaffordable for um individuals to be able to, to own or rent. Um, and it's unfortunately pushing people away. So that would be, that would be my money. I like it. It's a good answer. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, and the thing that ties all of our answers together is about designing the city for resiliency. And that's the, that's really the biggest issue that needs to be approached within the next 10 years. Cause if it's, if it's not, then in reality, we're going to be dealing with some serious environmental factors that could affect the city adversely. And, um, whether we have an unlimited budget or the budget that we have, we need to right. figure that out. And and you bring up a great point, Matt. And, and and I think it goes unsaid for not just our city but all coastal cities. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to really re- evaluate our budgets, evaluate where the money's going, and how are we bolstering how we prepare for change and how we live as people. Like, are we willing to adapt to the water, or should we move? All right, we're going to finish it up here. We're going to close it up. Um, Thank you all for listening, by the way. These are our last answers. Um, Last question for everybody. What would be the advice that you would give yourselves before you started or advice to give yourself in school or your younger self? Um, Paulo, we'll start with you. If I was going to speak to my younger self, uh, I would say get sleep. (laughs) Architecture (laughs) school is demanding, but you cannot do it without the proper amount of sleep. It's uh, it sounds like a simple, uh, simple suggestion, but quite honestly, we all kind of lose sleep for whatever reasons in life. Just be healthy and have fun doing it. <laughs> James, what would you give your advice to yourself before the company and to your younger self? Um, I guess I'd say that um, you're not gonna figure it out, and you're not gonna figure it out right now, and every moment that you're alive and thinking, you're thinking, I'm the most confident and knowledgeable that I could be at this moment. And looking back, you realize you're not at that moment. You are in the future. So don't stress yourself out and weigh your decisions so much because you think you have this whole thing figured out and you don't. It's that it's okay to take your time and it's okay to wait and it's okay to not worry about something until later. And just go with the flow. Great answer. Matt, you're up. Um, What would you give advice to yourself before the company and for your younger self? I think to echo James a little bit, and it's also younger self, but now too, don't take life so seriously. Like You have to enjoy where you're at 
at the stage in the life that you're in and really kind of like embracing every like trouble and joy that comes your way is the most important thing about growing as a human being. And, uh, if I, if I had to give my younger self some advice, I'd say that don't take life so seriously. Great answer. Seamus. Um, for me for before starting a business, it would be to listen. Um, I, a lot of times I'm always feet first, head first, no arms, you know, just diving in. So just slow down and listen. I think it's a shock to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, um, to my younger self would just be to just trust yourself. So it kind of contradicts my answer of um, to listen, but to kind of just go for it. You know what I mean? Like if, if you feel that something's right, it usually is. Um, and if you're aspiring to do something like Paula was saying earlier, go do it. Trust your um, gut. Yeah, trust your gut. Don't don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Like literally, right now, get off the couch. Go do what you want to do. You know, um, that's my advice. I like it. Twenty four hours. You got twenty four hours to make a decision. Well, um, many things to be thankful for. Uh, starting starting our own company, um, taking the leap of faith, being a year and uh, profitable, um, having having had multiple children. Um, lots of ups and downs. Lots of ups and downs. We made it a year. We made it a year. Not yet. Almost. <laughs> Almost <laughs> We're not a even year. There yet. And so I mean, but but also a lot to look forward to, a lot to build upon, a lot to uh, look forward to. So, um, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. Thank you. And we'll thank have to you do guys. This. We'll have to make this a um, a yearly thing. I guess in seventeen years, come back out when cicadas come back out. Exactly. It was worth the trek. Thanks for having us. And we want to thank our audience. Thank you guys for listening to us. Season two will be out next year. And Seamus and I are going to change it up a little bit. So uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. And folks, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I am Seamus. And I'm James. And we would like to thank our sponsors, Brew Carre and PJ's Coffee. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the swarm and drop us a review on itunes stay tuned for our next episode